I'm Josh. I'm Grant. And this is the Peel and Drag Podcast. My dog. Welcome back to the Peeling Drag Podcast, episode six, six. I believe. Um, we have come off a terrible weekend of fishing. We're both incredibly red. I don't know if it's sunburn or windburn or both. exactly what it is, but uh, we had two miserable days of not catching fish, despite our best efforts. So. Yeah, it's like third weekend in a row I've been unsuccessful. Yeah, it's this caught, time of year. Caught fish, just nothing I'm looking for. Yeah, this time of year you're, I mean, you said it earlier today, you're like grasping at straws. Like yeah, the weather's warming, a lot more things are coming into play, and you just. It's weird because you want it to get warm, and you want all that good, fun, warm weather stuff to happen, but like I haven't done a lot of the stuff I want to do when it's cold. Yeah. It's like last weekend I went saw guy fishing, then I went brook trout fishing. And then this weekend we went hybrid striper fishing yeah. and brook trout fishing. No, <laughs> I mean, no, no saw guy fishing. Saw guy fishing. So yeah. just bouncing from one extreme to the other for the past four days of fishing. Well, it's not helping either that like we're extremely early with spring this year, it seems like. All the trees yeah. are budding. I mean, it, we're at least a month earlier than what we normally are. So the shatter in the rivers, big striper in the rivers – everybody's like getting into the flow of the spring fishing season and we're trying to still do like late winter stuff so but we had a major front roll through on friday so we tried for hybrids yesterday we have lake anna here in virginia that is loaded with really big hybrid striper ran around all day got just absolutely brutalized by the wind and um found the fish yeah found them I don't know what's more frustrating, not seeing them or spending all day staring at a graph, knowing they're After down After two there. days, I can assure you they're equally frustrating. Yeah, it's just one of those things. I like took to, a nice nap today, about about 30 minutes in front of the boat. Yeah. That's, oh. how, that's how hot fishing was today. Yeah. It's just one of those things, like, yesterday we saw hundreds if not thousands of the species that we're after and trying to get them to eat which they wouldn't had complete lockjaw in the middle of all that wind and then today it's we couldn't find the fish and i don't know if they would have eaten even if we could have found them but it's just two 
two very possibly frustrating. days off of the spawn, if not yeah. hours. Yeah, so I think full moon is Tuesday or Wednesday, so the saw guy are right on the cusp of wrapping their spawning up, I think. So plus like water temps are fifty five degrees today. We normally don't see that towards the end of this month. So I mean it's like historically shad fishing. I mean I remember when I was little the rule of thumb was always shad won't consistently bite until the water hits 50. Yeah. They'll, you know, they're not biting anymore. They're striking out of aggression, whatever. But they won't consistently bite, and you won't have those, like, yeah. 7,500 fish days until it hits 50. This is, like, the fourth year in a row now that it's 50 degrees before they even get yeah. here. Yeah, guys are catching shad in February, which normally is not the case. But I mean, I remember many times going out there and being out there before the sun comes up, and we're dumping water from the river into the floor of the boat to melt the ice yeah. that's in the boat. Yeah, that's it's definitely it be. been a weird year so far. Just hopefully we don't get any snow in the next couple of weeks before spring actually yeah. finally settles in, because that'll really screw up everything. But I don't know. We got uh, some good tips from our buddy Alex McCrickard through uh, the Virginia Department of Wildlife Resources. He he did a kind of a seminar type thing on the hybrid striper, and we talked about saw guy and stuff uh, at one of our anglers club meetings last week. So we we're hot on trying to get that stuff figured out over those this both, weekend. And those are both species that we've been like close to, yeah, for a while. Yeah, it um. Or like looking know. for the last piece, more or less. Yeah. I got one more species to get to level five, and, like, those are two. It's kind of low-hanging fruit compared to everything else that's left, and it's yeah. just, you know. It is what it is. We tried, and we failed miserably. Caught a couple bass today, and that's pretty much it. So, I don't know. I feel like we caught more bass than the guys that were bass fishing, so. Yeah, I don't feel like anybody did real good out there today. So, I don't know. Just <clears throat> rough weekend. So, hopefully we can forget about it pretty quick. But, let's move on to a little bit of fishing news. Let's see. I, I'll i start us off here. The IGFA just released a uh, report that another uh, giant snakehead world record is potentially um, on the books. I reported on a fish that was caught a couple weeks ago by an angler that I believe was... I think it was two episodes ago. Yeah, two episodes. The world record got broken, and I've been broken since then. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to see. I'm scrolling through their Instagram right now. It was a couple weeks ago, I think. Um, it was a... Let's see. Here we go. This is February 2nd, so it's been a little bit of time. Yeah, as you can hear, the pollen is setting in, too, so we're all kind of stuffed up and sounding disgusting. But uh, Yeah, so Rewang, Malaysia... A 28-pound snakehead uh, was caught, potentially setting the 30-pound line class world record. Um, that fish was caught and released. And then uh, just the other day, I believe yesterday, they posted about a 30-pound snakehead that uh, will set the 20-pound line class record as well as the all-tackle world record. Uh, angler Shamsul Azmi... Ben, I always find a way to build Butcher myself. The names. Yeah, <laughs> I'm terrible at names. But uh, he caught this fish, it looks like on New Year's Day. Um, he landed a massive snakehead on a crankbait after a five-minute battle. The <coughs> fish was released after proper 
documentation. So this dude hooked this absolutely massive uh, giant snakehead over in the same place the last one was caught, Rowang, Malaysia. So, so crazy how they catch them things on crankbaits. Yeah, yeah. It's um. There's a lot of videos of it, too. Like, that's not like an isolated thing. Yeah. At certain times of the year, they catch them, like, deep cranking over there and stuff. Yeah, so that's super cool. Uh, what do you have? Um, I was a little less prepared for the news segment, but... Uh, do you have any? To any of our northern listeners, maybe up in the Mill region, <laughs> uh, this year, it's the first year in a while, that uh, walleye fishing is supposed to remain open all summer. Um some of our southern listeners that might not have walleye, um, they're a fish that has a high mortality rate in really hot water. They yep. can't handle it, just like a muskie or pike or whatever, any of those northern species when mm-hmm. the water gets above, like, 75 or so. Yeah. Um, but supposedly they're going to allow them to uh, fish for them all through the summer and still have, like, a keeper season because of a uh, historically low amount of fish that have been caught through the ice because the ice came so late this year. Mm, Apparently the largest uh, the largest percentage of walleye that get taken out of the lake every year are taken through the ice. So mm. since they had a really sense. short ice season and it's already like the ice is receding, they said they will allow them to fish a little longer through at least into the summer. Um, let's see what they're... Yeah, I was talking. So keep one walleye twenty-one to twenty-three inches, or one longer than twenty-eight inches. Mm. I was talking to uh, our buddy Pat up in um, Wisconsin, and he's on Lake Michigan. They kind of had the same deal. Like, yeah. they would fish ice fish for browns for a couple days, and then they're fishing the streams for them, and they keep jumping back and forth because they can't get consistent weather up there. So it's just been a warm year. I don't know if yeah. The polar ice caps are melting or, you know, we're all going to die here pretty soon. But um, either way, it's been a warm year so far. So, Yeah, it's when you start seeing them make adjustments like that. I mean, the thing is they know the water is still going to get above 75 in the summer. But I guess the way they're seeing is so few fish got caught this wintertime yeah. that they can handle it. Because I think up there they actually have a closed, closed season. Like not, you can't catch and release them, but you're not supposed to target them. Yeah. Because they, they, of the mortality. Mm-hmm. They do the same thing with muskie through the ice for some reason. Like, whenever <laughs> that time, like, because they have a muskie opener, yeah. which I think is, like, sometime in the early spring. But, yeah, it's the same way. They, that's, like, an up north thing that a lot of southern fishermen would, won't really be used to. Like, they have seasonal stuff. Like, bass is closed for a certain amount of time. I think that's got a lot to do with why a lot of those northern fisheries are so good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I look at Maine. I mean, some of the best trout fishing anywhere in the country yeah. And they have an entire month and a half of the year where you cannot legally like fish freshwater. Yeah, I mean that so. sucks, but yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Like the fishing seasons, I know muskie has one. Apparently, walleye has one. I think uh, like way up north, maybe largemouth or something like that. I think that might. I think be they good. have what they call warm water opener, which is like bass. Yeah, and some of those guys I've watched on YouTube, they have like a warm water opener season mm-hmm. and. I don't know exactly what the days are, but yeah, they do the same thing. I think with uh, those lake sturgeon too. It's like groups of species open at the same time. Yeah, too. it's interesting. Interesting yeah. way to go about things. We're not <clears throat> used to that type of thing down here, but no, I don't know. Cool. I mean, a lot of states are right around us, like West Virginia and uh, Pennsylvania, and I don't think Maryland, but Pennsylvania, they have trout openers. Yeah, 
they have a trout season and everything. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, I mean, we hear that type of talk like season, like trout season or shad season. Like shad yeah. season's a thing because it, it is it is seasonal. Yeah, but when people but... in Virginia say it, they just mean like it's time to catch them. Yeah. It's not it's like not it's legal. now legal. Right, you, right, yeah, right, right. It's legal. You can fish for them all year round if you want. But. Yeah. Cool. Well, that is a good bit of fishing news. So we got walleye being fished all year and another world record giant snakehead. So we're going to have to make a trip to catch those at some Malaysia. point yeah i don't think it's terribly expensive it's not. pretty sure we get a solid deal on the conversion rate on that one yeah. but 14 dollars <laughs> yeah 12 bucks go catch one now anyway we'll uh move into some fishing tackle uh slash the, gear yeah new gear segment um you got one from yak attack right yeah it seems yeah. like uh all we announced that's new is yak attack gear lately but that's because they seem to be the only company really cranking out a lot of gear right now. They've, what did Luther post the other day? Like eight new products in yeah, they, two they, weeks that they've mm-hmm. come out with. They haven't even released them all yet. Yeah, they do a big like product release kind of at the beginning of the year, so yeah. that's why the last couple episodes have been... And they always save a couple for iCast, too. Mm-hmm. So, But uh, anyway, the uh, newest one, we already talked about the bar cart, their toe-and-stow bar cart that they had. Well, they're going to have... That's essentially going to be the premium option and the, you know, ultra collapsible, more portable version. And then they have another cart that they're releasing called the Toe and Stow Bunkster, which is only the main difference. It's not quite as collapsible. Um, from the looks of the pictures, it has the same wheels, um, but instead of the ability to rotate the bunks perpendicular slash parallel with the kayak Mm -hmm. they're only going to run parallel right so it's more like a true bunk style cart rather than the bar cart can be either way like we talked that bar cart if you had them perpendicular you could use that for like a john boat or something yeah like a small like 12 14 foot john boat but the bunkster is going to be pretty much strictly kayak style um they got a bunch of pictures of it here you know pretty much every sit on top kayak has a like a seam where the scupper holes are Mm -hmm. so you can adjust it and have those bunks running right in those seams and looks like it'd be pretty solid solid connection looks like same wheels and same uh center bar and everything as the um as the uh bar cart yeah i think it's just the only thing that changed is the bunks yeah the bunk system's a little different um what was the msrp here yeah um so that is the bar cart if you can see that. If you're watching on YouTube. You scroll over here, and that is the bunkster. So the main difference, like I said, is quite a few less parts. I think in this post they actually say uh, the bar carts, they all break down into five major pieces, but the bar cart is only five pieces, where the, uh, or sorry, the bunkster is only five pieces, where the bar cart is 15. But that's because the bar cart is a more collapsible one. Gotcha. The bar cart will pretty much fit inside of the front hatch of any any kind. What's the comparison on price in those two? I believe the bar cart was supposed to be around two fifty, and I think the bunkster is going to be sign- not significantly cheaper. But I don't think they've set a price from what I've seen. Uh, I yeah. don't want to say a price without knowing it hundred percent. I thought, but it's definitely gonna it's gonna be cheaper. I would say most likely below the uh, 
the two hundred dollar mark for right. sure. Yeah, there's got to be enough of a gap in price to make both options. Yeah, you know, reasonable. But I'm it's a good scroll deal. Scroll down a little bit, see if I can find a price. Well, you. Yeah, first. I think that's what the third product from Yak Attack to come out, third or fourth. Yeah. So they have about as many left yeah, we to had still. The, the H rail adapters, the duo mounts. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, two carts. Then they had another, like the ninety degree. They had a version of that that came out too, I believe. Oh yeah, the um, I know what you're talking about. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, my uh, new tackle for this episode is uh, a new topwater bait from Tackle. It's a brand we use all the time. Snakehead fishing. They got the sprinker, the honker, all those. Yeah. Um, sprinker, honker, whacker, whacker, kick knocker. Choker. <laughs> There's a lot of them. <laughs> Get to know a lot of furs. <laughs> 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 Take her out on a with, date or... With consent. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, well, this one's called the Sharker. Um, it is a topwater, kind of like a soft-style spook. Um, it You can work it like a spook. You can work it kind of subsurface. Uh, it has just a regular, uh, looks like maybe a feather tail as opposed yeah. to like a paddle tail or anything. Yeah, it's just a... It, when I saw pictures of it, it's just like a similar to. I mean, it's a totally different body. This is the first frog they've released in a while that has a different body yeah. shape. Um, but yeah, it's got that sharp nose on it, mm-hmm. make it walk better, and it looks like it's feathers. But I've also seen some pictures of it with a skirt on the back, mm-hmm. like a single skirt. Yeah, most of the tackle stuff we throw, the bodies are all the same. It's just the tail section that's different. Yeah. This is actually a different body shape frog and i watched a quick video on it uh, like two days ago you work it like a spook you can work it like a regular you know there was a video frog. of him steady retrieving it too mm-hmm. and it's like diving and darting around yeah, it, it works it looks pretty cool like a subsurface wake bait and it, it does all kinds of cool stuff so it'd be interested to see kind of yeah, rather rather than having kind of like a rounded nose and a flat belly mm-hmm. it has that sharp nose to make it glide more yeah it's the same idea like when we're tying those jerk changer flies you want to have flat sides right so once it planes off to that one side walking it and i mean there were videos of it you can sit there on a slack line and almost make the thing wag back and forth in place yeah that'll be great for those like picky fish that come up and look at it yeah so they just announced it looks like three days ago so it'd be interesting to see when it actually hits the market over here i'm sure we'll get it by the time you know okay i'm just playing <laughs> facebook videos it's fine it uh it looks like just the shape of the body. It's got a bigger hook in it, too, or a deeper gap. Mm-hmm. And uh, from the look of the body, it's actually a smaller, like, length frog. Yeah. But. Well, it will be good because you won't have all that kind of mass, like whenever some, like a snakehead, something with a smaller yeah. mouth, you won't have all that mass in there to really, like, get in the way of getting a hook in the fish. Because, so. yeah, it's, I mean, out of all the... Sp- out of all the Tekel models, you've got two different body styles. you got the body with the two legs or the single post. Mm-hmm. And, like, the Sprinker and the Maracker and the... That might honker. be... Well, no, the Sprinker and the Maracker have the one oh, right, post. Right, 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 right. The Honker and then all the traditional style frogs. The Honker, mm-hmm. the Choker, the... What else? There's, like, five. Oh, and the, the Clinker has the one. That's the new one with the double blades. Yeah. But... Interesting yeah. names for sure. Yeah. 
What's he got? Kick knocker. Got the duck croaker. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. Yeah. I don't know where, like, these names are just. The duck croaker is one. I, I meant to buy a couple and I never did, but they're, uh, that's a very, very similar body style to that old paycheck transporter toad. Mm-hmm. And those paycheck baits transporter toads, if you have them, like, if you have them, they sell for, like, over a hundred bucks on eBay. Yeah, people go nuts over those. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Dudes pay way too much for baits just to yeah. catch. The transporter bass. toad's huge too. Like, I mean, it's like that long. It's got the two yeah. legs on the side, two legs out the back. It, it doesn't even walk. It just chugs. Right. I hear but. you. Well, that is what we have for our new tackle segment. So I think we've kind of cleared two um, two of our topics out of the way already. What do you want to move on to next? We have a couple different ways that can, this can go. We can tell the van story first. We can talk about okay. our citations. We can talk about the uh, yeah. This uh, this podcast isn't going to have a direct like a singular topic. We we kind of thought about it today. We're going to be all over the place with this one. So just it doesn't matter. Hang on to your hats, We're, folks. Um, we'll talk about the van. Yeah. That's a good talk one. About the we van. haven't reminisced so, about that one in a while. Do you remember the story? You remember the van story? Okay. I don't Harley know if I've ever told Holly the van story. So do, you you know the, do you know the van story? You don't know the van story? Okay. She doesn't know the van story. All right. So about 10 years ago when Grant and I were in our uh, infancy of our friendship. Of fishing together and friendship. I've always had these big plans that like... We'd make it big on YouTube and just travel and fish. That's always been kind of my goal, regardless of you know whatever the just circumstances are. Yeah, I know. We're, ten we, years later, doing the we exact did same it. Shit. Not yet. Nothing <laughs> has worked so far. Let's We're, keep trying. So, um, I was still driving a Ranger at the time, so I was like, mm, "This isn't working. I can't keep sleeping in my truck on these fishing trips. We should find a bigger vehicle to stay in." So I got on. I think it was Craigslist at the time. I don't think Facebook. I forgot market, how much you used to sleep in that Ranger. Yeah, yeah. It in was, the front seat. Just yeah, and like a lot of it happened mm. in the mountains, like musky fishing and stuff, and sleeping, sitting upright, slack jawed in a boat ramp parking lot. I mean, I probably looked like I was on some kind of a drug. Yeah. I had a dude wake me up one time at. Uh, yeah, he thought you were dead. Yeah, up in Radford. No, he didn't think I was dead. He thought I was, like, strung out on something. I'm like, no, dude, I'm just sleeping. Everything's <laughs> Move fine. Moving along. I'm calling the cops. <laughs> yeah, never realized how suspicious all <laughs> Bro, of I'm was. just tired. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, what they all say. Yeah. Yeah, why are you tired? <laughs> up all night trying to get drugs. Leave me alone. No. Uh, so I got on Craigslist. <clears throat> I started looking for, like, Vans. This is before van life even became really a thing, too. This is just this like, is another trend we could have been ahead on. I know, and we damn didn't. Damn it, we damn. need to pick. Never this. thought of it that way. Missed on all the Facebook, YouTube, or fishing YouTube. Missed on the podcast, and now we missed on van life. Just so. like sleeping in Walmart parking lots was like Walmart camping was cool on YouTube for like two weeks. Yeah, John B did it. I don't know if Josh has ever been more offended yeah, <laughs> that, that anyone got famous for something. Frustrating. Yeah, I, uh, I've spent my fair share of time in a Walmart parking lot. But I got on Craigslist, and I started looking up these vans. And I found this one van that was reasonably priced. I still don't think I could afford it at the time, but it seemed like a good idea. It was like one of those conversion vans. At the time, it was probably from, like, the 80s. I don't know. It was one of those, like, not a Sprinter, 
No, it not, was a like one of those like Chrysler like like what your seventy year old chain smoking grandpa owns. It was it was one of the it was like a Dodge Ram big block with the like wood paneling on the inside. Yeah. It was super good, super good. But uh, had like the little twelve inch TV up in the top for the people sitting in the back. Yeah, yeah it was good stuff. So I texted this lady. I'm like, hey, want to come up look at the van? I decided we'd drive up there, and I don't know how I talked to you. And it was literally like one of these. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was a Chevy G20. Yeah, conversion van. I think it was a Dodge, but same idea. No, I mean that's the same color pattern it was. Yeah, yeah, it was super good. Um, I wish I could have saved the picture. This might be what it actually was. 1993 Chevrolet G20. If it isn't what it is, you can get a close enough mental picture. Yeah. And I can assure you it looked nothing like the one in the photo. Yeah, it was super good. So, anyway, I don't know how I talked you into going up there with me because that's one of the more ridiculous things I've ever asked you to do is go look at a van. It was just like buy. a weekday. I've had this a harder time getting you to do things in town, let alone drive to D.C. to go look at a it van. It was Close enough. Yeah, still. Anyway, so we set out early one Saturday morning to go look at a van that we couldn't afford. <laughs> For whatever reason, I thought we were going to, like, team up and buy this thing. And we drive all the way up there. It's like Well, the... we need to set the stage with what the listing said. The listing was like, I remember it vividly saying, you know, like, needs tires. And I remember the whole drive up there. You were like, oh, the tires. Yeah, it's we, no big deal. We can go to, like, a used tire shop and get fine. some tires. And then the other one was, like, um, small, like, cosmetic damage or something. And you're like, oh, it's probably just, like, some dents, you know? They're not. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Anyway, right, let's go check this thing out. We drive all the way up there, and it's like in the back of like a car mechanic lot or something. It wasn't at like yeah. a place that sells vehicles. We get there, and like the lady is just not there. There's supposed to be some lady meeting us there. So I'm like, screw it. We'll just walk around and check this van out while we're up here. Everything's fine. Immediately noticed like tires are dry rotted. And the flat. top of the like the cap where it's like extended up so you can walk around is, is like duct, duct tape taped. on. Yeah. So that's good. It had a giant dent in the side of it. And then like rust holes everywhere. I'm like, what do you think the odds are it's unlocked? Open it up and it's just like bums had been doing it in it for like three months. <laughs> if you've ever it, if it you've, was so disgusting. If you've ever seen the other guys, <laughs> yeah. this van was was uh, visited by Big Mike and the boys. Yeah. Like, this yeah. is... There was, it, like... there. It was just disgusting. It The inside smelled like wet cat. Like, it was bad. So, needless to say, I was let down a good bit by uh, the van. It was, like, leaking. Like, the we roof was the, leaking. Yeah, we popped the hood and, like, looked underneath, and the battery was sitting on a piece of plywood. Yeah, the battery was... I don't even think the battery was a, like actually hooked up. There was just like the yeah. tray where the battery was supposed yeah. to be sitting was just a sheet of also like dry rotting yeah. plywood. The tires were flat. The like, bed was stained. Like the whole, it was it wet was, on the inside. This van was definitely used for human. It was probably lived in by point. a homeless person mm-hmm. that just wasn't there when we got yeah, there. The inside was nicotine orange. It was just a super good van to buy <laughs> for like $2,500. I think, I don't know what, and I like, I go into all these situations eternally optimistic. Like Josh it's is gonna dangerously be fine. optimistic. Like, and it was just like every little thing. I'm like, mm, this isn't looking good. I don't think we're going to be able to get this van. 
Meanwhile, the lady isn't even there yet. It was hilarious how terrible, like all the photos. The only thing that would have made it better is if she actually was there and tried to, to sell, sell it. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know how you would ever convince anyone to purchase this. I don't even know. But the like, van's probably still sitting in the same spot. Yeah. <laughs> the funny thing is like they took all the photos from all the good angles if that thing had any. Because if we had seen it, it was one of those deals. If we like, would have seen one of the things we yeah. saw, we wouldn't have gone. You like roll up, you're like, mm, we need to leave. <laughs> no, <laughs> we rolled up and parked in the, in the parking lot that she gave us the address for. And Josh was like, I think that's the van. <laughs> it was so terrible. Looking. That can't be it. And you pulled the picture up. You're like, oh, no, that's yeah, it. I was like, yeah, that's definitely it. Oh, man. But, like, the other side of the van had, like, a giant dent where, like, they ran over somebody. It was yeah. just not good. So, anyway, this lady's like, I'll be there in, like, 20 minutes. So I'm like, mm, don't worry about it. Yeah, it's all good. Don't worry about that. I swear to God, I can't even remember everything about that. It was it had like shag carpet in it. it. I just remember everything being orange. The van has not been cleaned since it was purchased. Yeah, was, whenever that van was, whatever year it was, it has yeah, not. It been was super since. good. But anyway, we left there and my dreams were crushed, and it was immediately hilarious. We so, we got like a mile outside of Fredericksburg and we're dying dude, laughing. Just the fact that we almost bought this. Ma'am, have you seen what you're selling? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I almost that van almost killed us, and we didn't even buy it. I almost crashed the car on ninety five, laughing so hard at how terrible. You shot was. amp out his nose. It was screaming about how much it burned. Yeah, it was pretty <laughs> terrible. I think we were. I was probably like nineteen at the time, nineteen or twenty. It was. Um, God. Yeah, it was not a great showing. That was the first of many. Like that was when you were talking about. We were both talking about like, oh man, we could travel around to these kayak tournaments and yeah, like yeah. take this van. Dude, it'd be yeah. so sweet. It's like, we'll just get it wrapped. Oh, my God. Yeah, I don't know. We'll cover the duct tape with a wrap. Yeah, it was pretty terrible. So, I don't know. Do you remember anything else about the van? I just remember every possible thing that was wrong with it. Like, let's say for whatever reason that was the greatest salesman in the world. She sold it to us. We would have had to tow it somewhere. Yeah. The van would not have rolled. If you would have rolled it three feet, it would have just all the tires would have probably deflated. Yeah, that thing had some bad vibes. It was filled full of just ghosts of I want to know when the picture times. was taken, because it looked nothing like the photo from uh-huh. any angle that we could get to. There was nowhere you could look at the van in person and not see rust holes, dry-rotted tires, duct tape, yeah. or just like peeling paint yeah. and like everything else. Because I remember the pictures weren't looking that bad. It was yeah. like, oh, this isn't too bad. Let's go see what this is about. You know what other story I just remembered? The trip we took to Cripple Creek that you mentioned today when you caught that rainbow trout. Do you remember what happened with that rainbow trout? Oh, yeah, let's God. tell that story. Because yeah. the, va- the van one, I can't remember enough about the van one for oh, it to actually gosh. be funny. All right. Yeah. We go to, we go musky fishing in August because we're idiots and we don't know any better not to do that at the time. This is around the same time frame. It might be a couple of years later, but it's still like 2000. This wasn't long 14, after that. It very 13, well could have been. 14. I, ca- I caught that muskie in the rainbow in 15. Mm-hmm. So it was right. 2015. So we went up. We're fishing in Blacksburg, Radford on the New River. We had one day of trout fishing and like one or two days of muskie fishing. 
and we go up and we're fishing this pay to fish trout stream that where they like stock the big fish in it. We don't really do that anymore, but at the time we were just trying it's to get what we can get. Just trying to get the citations that we needed. So. Right. Mind you, we leave, I think, on like a Thursday night because we had three days off. I hadn't slept all night. It was when I was still doing that. Like, yeah, we get off work. I remember we were at we were at Cripple Creek at like the yeah. ass crack of dawn. Yeah, I mean, we, we were there we, at like six. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure we drove up and slept in the truck. Probably. Or I think you, we left super early, and I, I, I don't know. Either way, I, I hadn't remember. slept all night. I know yeah. that much. We get to Cripple Creek. We're not catching shit because it's August and there's not any trout in the street. Dude, we rocked up to the first hole and you were like, whoa, look at all those trout. Immediately caught one. We very first cast on the freaking uh, Joe Fly. Well, I was hallucinating. Well, I don't remember first any off, of we get there and Josh and I, even back then, were pretty strict catch and release guys. We yeah. didn't keep a lot of fish. We get there and the guy says, all right, so uh, yeah, just keep everything you catch. And we had never fished there before and the only person that we had known that did yeah. remember was patrick yeah at bass pro yeah. and he always told me it was five fish limit yeah but see so you think five fish limit like yeah. I, i'll just go up there catch them and release them i don't care yeah and he shows up he's like yep gotta keep them all and we had we didn't have anything you pay sixty dollars to catch five fish and then leave essentially essentially which but, like but now now there's no limit like if you're up, there's no limit on trout up there anymore. I don't know if that's true. 100 percent true. I don't know if I it's believe catch, that. It's it's no catch or release. No I limit. don't. I'm not signing off on that. I Either way, double check when you get up there. But the pictures I've seen on there, Cedar there Springs. ain't no limit. Right, 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 right. Well, I still think it's six fish per person, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Besides the point, we get up there. I pass out on the riverbank because I have not slept. Next thing I know, Grant's screaming at me to get the net. For whatever reason, Grant bought a, brought a trout net that, like, you net brookies with. He's I hooked, bought the wrong net. He's hooked into this, like, eight- or nine-pound rainbow trout. It's absolutely massive. I think it was, like, 27 inches long. I just woke up from, like, the back rooms. Josh I'm still was, hallucinating. Josh was asleep on a gravel bar yeah. next to the river. Yeah, yeah. So I woke up. I'm still seeing like eight of everything. I'm not even in this reality yet, and I'm trying to net a trout for Grant. And I don't even think we got it netted. I think I just like scooped and like lobbed it, yeeted it up onto the bank. So Grant catches it, and that that's early in our citation, like trophy fishing stuff. So this was your first trophy rainbow trout. So yeah. it was like a big deal. We're like super stoked on it. Yeah. The problem is we're supposed to keep the fish. Like we, they're we, like, oh, you got a thought in the back of our minds was, why, why did we care? We're like, oh, we're going to get in trouble. Yeah. If we, Should just let it go. Should, yeah. We were afraid that for some reason, if we didn't bring a trout back with us, <laughs> yeah, I remember. the guy would just know we released fish yeah, or like we'd yeah. get in trouble yeah. or something. It I remember was, the conversation of like, if we come back with nothing, he's going to know. Like it would have mattered at all. Yeah. But no. And meanwhile, the dude just, like, takes your money and then just leaves. Yeah. Like, he's nowhere to be found yeah. after you. Yeah. So we land this fish. We get all the photos for Grant. It's this great big, like, huge rainbow trout. And then we're like, all right, well, we don't have a cooler or any way to keep this fish, so what are we going to do? Put it in your giant dry bag. giant, like, 55-liter dry bag for Bass Pro that I, like, dumped all my shit out of. And then we just throw the fish in there. It's 90 degrees it's outside. August in yeah. Virginia. This is... 
essentially before this day was over, that fish was not edible anymore. No. So we put the fish in the bag. We're just carrying a trout around in a bag now. It was super good. So we do all that. We leave that place. We go back to stay at Clater Lake Inn, which I don't stay there anymore due to them having bed bugs. So, so that is – I might want to bleep them out. I'm not trying to put them on blast. Yeah, we'll bleep that out. No, we won't. Anyway <laughs> – we go, we're staying in this tiny little motel. And it's like, all right, well, what do we do with this eight-pound truck? Never occurred to us that, I don't know, you clean it and maybe go get Ziploc bags and a cooler. No. So I'm pretty sure we tried to put the fish in the refrigerator. Remember, that was the time the fridge was broken. Mm, yeah. That was, was the moldy. time we opened the fridge and it looked like a like a science experiment. Yeah, yeah, it was all green, moldy and shit. Yeah, it had some huge things of mold growing on the, the dish tray or yep. ice tray bag. Yeah, yep. so, ice tray. Yeah, so we just leave the fish outside. We ended up going musky fishing and I'm pretty sure we just... We forgot about it. Yeah. 100% yep. forgot about it. Yep, so we, by day three it was We had the two ranked. kayaks in the bed of the truck and... We threw the dry bag in the bed of the truck with them. We we're like, ah, the coldest it's going to be is outside, so yeah. whatever. We went musky fishing the next day, and... You caught a good musky that trip, too. That's when I caught my citation musky. Yeah. But, so it was um, a pretty solid weekend, other than the, the foul, rotten-smelling yeah. trout that we were left with. So, as we're leaving the boat ramp, we're loading the kayaks in the thing, in the truck, and I see Josh's dry bag, <laughs> and... Didn't think anything of it. Still totally forgot there was a gargantuanly big rainbow trout in there. Yeah. Um, that has been baking in the sun for two days. Yeah, it's super So good. I go up to the front of the truck to, like, strap the kayaks up to the, you know, to the bed. Yeah. And I just get a full-face whiff yeah, of two-day-old rotten rainbow trout. It like a truck stop. It was terrible. Yeah, it is the still to this day the worst thing I've ever smelt in my life. I... It's as close as I've ever come to throwing up from a smell. Yeah. And I said, holy crap, we forgot about it. Yeah. And it's it's in here. So our idea was when we're leaving the boat ramp, yeah. there's a bridge over the creek. Yep. Yep. And the best thing we could think of was to just upend the dry bag yeah. and dump the trout into the creek. Yeah, super good. And it just hit the ground with the most... Flack. Yeah, so some Sound I've ever heard probably in my found life. like a nine pound rainbow trout that was captured and just they they someone probably found a nine pound rainbow trout next to the new river and was just freaking out. Yeah, it was super good. Still so, to this day, the foulest. It's I mean, I couldn't even breathe for like thirty seconds. It was, yeah, terrible. It was pretty rough. I forgot about that till today. I was, <laughs> was flipping through I some of our like, fish pictures. It was, it was good. It was terrible. Good. But anyway, I don't know. Those are just two b- brief instances of shit going wrong over the years. We've had a lot of shit go wrong in the western half of the state. Yeah. <laughs> those trips. Yeah. I'm trying to think of other stuff that might have happened, but nothing's coming to mind right now. I guess that's what happens when you get blasted by wind all day and so numbs all your senses yeah today was memories. another good day of not catching anything but 
I don't know. Anyway, do you want to move on to talk about the citation stuff? That was kind of your idea for today, I think. Yeah. Did you pick, like, a particular no, one? No, but I'll have about? one by the time you're done talking about yours. Yeah, I uh, kind of bounced back and forth. We thought about maybe making this, like, a not necessarily an every week segment, but segment called Citation Stories, where, mm. you know, Josh and I are actively chasing all the freshwater species in Virginia. So you can have just with some of these fish, you're going to get a wild story about how you caught it. Mm -hmm. Um, the one that comes to mind for me the most was, uh, or at least right off the bat, there's, there's a handful, but, um, one that comes to mind for me as being one of the wilder fish I've ever caught was, uh, my carp citation. Mm. Um. So, been out with you maybe a dozen times at that point, doing the way we used to carp fish, you know, dough balls and weightless and the you know just. That's what they called me in high school. <laughs> the weightless dough ball. <laughs> no, just dough balls. <laughs> we. I don't know. We've we've always like dabbled in carp fishing, but never got crazy serious about it. Yeah. I guess I don't know. But caught some fish. Never really came like super close. I I'd caught a few that were what's the citation twenty pounds. I think twenty pounds. I think I I think my biggest one at the time was like eighteen and a half, but it was like thirty inches. It mm -hmm. wasn't quite big enough. Um, we knew where the fish were. We'd seen them in there, and um, we were fishing a canal system. Won't say which one, but. Josh knows which one, and yeah. walking down one day with a buddy of ours, um, Max Moran, who we just went Fell to college and haven't talked to in a while, but um, I was walking out there, and we were fly fishing. We were coming back from a day of smallmouth fishing, and you walk by the canal, and you mm -hmm. always check out, and they're like, oh, man, there's some carpet there. Let me cast at them. They never eat. Mm -hmm. You're just like, oh, this will be cool. I can be fly bro for a minute and try and catch a carp. Yeah. Um. Never had too much success in there until that day. And uh, all the way down there by the end of the canal, worst possible place to ever hook a fish because you're screwed in yeah. every sense it's of the like word. It's like a six-foot drop to the water It's like a concrete side. Drop. Yeah, there's no it's way to like properly land no. the fish down there. Big old carp, like paperwork carp. Right. Swimming down the bank. I'm like, oh, hey, <laughs> flop a fly in front of him, happily swims right over to it, eats it. <laughs> like, right. uh, okay. Which almost never happens. Never. Yeah. Set the hook, fight the fish, you know, I mean, pretty, honestly, pretty explosive fight, but I'm like eight feet above the fish on like a sidewalk mm -hmm. and he's way down below me and i'm looking at it i know it's the citation carp i need so i'm yeah. like how are we gonna get it how are we gonna get it well the fish is hooked really good i've got it on a pretty stout nymph hook on a carp fly that i've tied and caught carp on in the past but i basically i'm pretty positive the fish isn't going anywhere i didn't have i had it on fairly heavy tippet for carp fishing it was on 12 pound swimming around swimming around swimming around max gets the idea like i'm gonna go look for a net I'm like, what? Yeah. So he runs over and there's a pool. 
Oh, he yeah. comes back with a pool skimmer. Right, right, right. <laughs> the right. big flat, I about the that. big flat disc thing. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't. He's like, I think it'll work. Like, work to do what? Like, you can't yeah. scoop it. It's about the equivalent of the rainbow trout in the net that you brought. No, this was like trying to pick up. This will be like trying to pick up anything with like a tennis racket. Yeah, <laughs> like you can't. You're not going to scoop it. Yeah, so. He reaches down there one time, touches the fish, fish explodes, swims away, and just like, okay, this isn't going to happen. So I'm like, what are we going to do? Um, while he's still holding this, like, 12-foot-long pool skimmer, right? we see the trash cans. The guy had just come through and emptied all the trash cans. Mm-hmm. Somehow one of us, I don't know who thought about it, decides, hey, trash can has holes in the top of it. Oh, my God. Let's slide it down the pool net. So we have a 12-foot pool skimmer with a brute trash can. This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. It is the dumbest thing I've ever taken part in. Oh, my God. We dunk half of the trash can in the water. Doesn't work. I mean, how is it going to work? It ends up at Max jumping in the canal (laughs) to put the fish in the trash can and then we pull the trash can back up. I pull Max back up, get all the pictures, measurements, weight, everything, and then yeah. release the fish back into the canal via the trash can. In the process of trying to pull the trash can back up, the head of the pool skimmer falls off in the canal. Nice. That's unintentionally, solid. but we looked at each other and was like, that's probably a lot cleaner than most things in that canal. Uh, there's like every scooter in yeah. the city is in yeah. those canals. What, did systems. we walk down the edge of that canal one day, like coming back to the truck and counted six of them? Richmond has more scooters underwater than it has on land. Yeah. It's just, I, I don't know. He's talking about those bird scooters, the ones you rent. Yeah, We just, walked down one day scooters. just looking to see if we saw any carp. I think we saw six in like yeah. 300 yards. Yeah. Six scooters in 300 yards. Yeah. They were schooling. It was ridiculous. <laughs> no, I don't know. So people just – something about the city of Richmond. They just love throwing really expensive shit in the, the water. The funny thing is um, a dude I was – a dude I went to VCU with had, like, for a side hustle, he used to go around, pick them up, and he was a charger for the scooters. Mm-hmm. A couple of those companies, you go around, you pick them up, and you take them home with you yeah. and plug them in at your house, and then, like, the next day you take them back right. and you put them at the nests or whatever where you leave mm-hmm. the scooters. I just imagine they all have, like, the little app on them. So when they stop you from running, they always save just enough battery to keep their little beacon going so you can find it. Mm-hmm. I just imagine him driving down, like, Dock Street, just like, supposed to be right here yeah <laughs> it's in the water yeah there's 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 more scooters in the water than there is on land it's kind of ridiculous it's... but i don't know i'm surprised none of those like lithium batteries explode either yeah you would think yeah, they they're would. not supposed to be in the water yeah they're not supposed to be wet Interesting. i don't know huh. that that reminds me i have a similar story with harley that happened in the same area we were um the the blue cat that we caught down there Oh, the, on the probably the my biggest blue, one of my biggest blue cats. Probably one of your top three. Yeah. So there's this fisherman back in the day that hated my guts, which joined the club. Probably still but, does. Yeah, I'm sure he does. He's I don't know. He might be dead, but it really doesn't matter. Anyway, we were fishing the same stretch of river. I was with Harley, and uh, I was giving this dude kind of a wide berth. He was fishing the exact spot that I wanted to fish. We're, there's like rocky outcroppings in the James, so like you can't 
some of them are better than others, so it's like, okay, I want to fish that one. There's a hole on the other side of it. This dude's clearly fishing it, so I let him do his thing. I knew he was going to leave it dark because everybody does. Nobody, Everybody's afraid to be on the water after dark for some reason. Yeah. I don't understand. But this dude rolls out, and Harley and I kind of paddle over to the rocks that we're going to sit on. This is summertime, James River. The water's low. And I look down, and there's this giant like nice hand-sized bluegill just laying there he like dumped his bait out from his like you know catfish bait bucket and it's just laying there like half dead half alive and i'm trying to catch you know carp same area and gar and all that so i'm like all right well i'm gonna put this out i'm gonna put this bluegill on a carpet or on a gar Gar rig rig. and just you know floating up on the surface in probably like 15 foot of water and we kind of forget about it because we're dealing with like carp Stuff like that. And this is. caught some carp that night, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. But I had my uh, Malibu kayak at the time, had a big, like, tank well in the back. So we were both able to, like, ride in the same kayak, more or less. All of a sudden, this reel, it's just a little 2,500 size spinning reel, just. Screaming. Just zero to a million, like, smoking the lines coming off of it. It's going so fast. I'm like, holy shit. So we go and. We both hop in the kayak, and I give Harley the paddle. So she's in the back of the kayak. That was when you used to fish on your knees yeah, all the time. Yeah, I had, a, I had this God. weird habit of fishing from my knees, like sitting up. I don't know. Those old-style kayaks, like I never could get comfortable just sitting. Well, the, that X-Factor. You don't have leverage. Yeah, you, like guys like Kevin, like they, they're fine with like leverage from like a well, lower so seat. so much more like core strength when you're mm-hmm. sitting in those low seats because you're yeah. sitting at a 90-degree angle. Yeah, I, I like when I was fishing out of that kayak. I liked being like up on my knees and have more leverage on like what I was doing. Yeah. Anyway, Harley is paddling the kayak from the rear tank well, catching us. Like I'm down to my backing. I'm running out of line. I'm reeling as she's like catching us up to it, and I can feel my braid like popping on the rocks. I'm like, holy shit. And this is like ten pound braid. I don't know why I was using ten pound braid at the time. This is before I knew anything. And I end up getting the line back, and we're fighting this thing. We probably fought it in the pitch black for, like, I don't know, 20 minutes, it feels like. I don't know if it was that long, but it felt like a long time. Meanwhile, 50 yards from us is a dam. So if you're, like, screwing around, you're going to end up going over that. So we're, like, there's a lot of stuff going on at once. So she kind of keeps us in position. I get the fish and like I'm I'm lifting I'm fighting it vertical I have a headlamp on and all of a sudden this just silhouette of this giant catfish comes up and it's in the part of the James that has like it's mostly flatheads or it's supposed yeah. to be so it's like holy shit I just caught like a maybe a state record flathead off like yeah. ten pound test ended up being this massive blue cat and, and like, as always the buzzkill I know but it's a blue cat blue cats always do they're such a buzzkill but. Anyway, we landed this thing, and I got these really cool photos. Harley took these photos of me, like, bear-hugging this thing in, like, waist-deep water. with yeah, like those the pictures ci- are cool. City in the background and stuff. It was super cool, but I don't know. We've had some wild, like, catches that way. That I mean, I hate to use my, like, citation story on a blue cat, but that's probably the coolest blue cat that I've yeah. ever captured. But I don't know. It was interesting time for sure, and, like, I haven't. I keep saying we need to go back out there and do that. It's like 
you start doing things is like nobody you, fishes out there. Not no, much. I don't, we wouldn't know. We don't go look yeah. anymore. But it's it's one of those things like as you progress in your fishing, like you start doing more complex stuff. Like you leave this stuff that you kind of like yeah. molded. Well, it's like your last fishing summer doing. we went and did the the wading trip for the small. Yeah, we haven't done that. Like in, decent fish. I caught that one mm-hmm. good one. It's like float fishing for flatheads, all that yeah. stuff. Like you start out, out doing that, and it's kind of like a basic thing, so you can like understand how fishing works. And then, like the deeper you get into this, like the farther down the rabbit hole you go, you leave some of this basic stuff kind of behind. And I know for me, every year I tell myself I'm going to go wade fishing for flatheads in the summertime. Never summer comes and goes, you never do it. But that was just one of those like good memory. We were out there one day. It was. I think all three of us, I don't know where you were, but all th- I, don't know, I don't know. But uh, all three of us were out there. It was like raining. You remember that? Out there, car- mm-hmm. we we launched trying to catch carp out of the same place and that like torrential oh, rainstorm yeah. came through. I yeah, have that on camera that somewhere. Wrong. It was nuts. But I remember a long time ago, this was before I even knew you, in that same spot, mm. me and my buddy Joseph from high school put in a uh, – our old my dad and I's old Ginu there, mm-hmm. a single trolling motor, and went all around. I mean, caught a bunch of smallmouth in those back when smallmouth fish was really good. Yeah. And to this day, my biggest smallmouth ever came from that little grass bar right in front of there. Yeah. And right as my dad was showing up to pick us back up, because he had been at work, mm-hmm. and uh, right as he was showing up, we were like 15, and um, he's like backing the truck down the ramp, and I cast right up to the end of the grass bar, and you see the grass just part. And it's like thunk, set the hook, and I'm using like six pound mono, and giant smallmouth. That was the yeah. one I, I uh, we taped it. I was like twenty two and a quarter inches. There's some big fish in the city. And that fish was over five pounds in like August. That, yeah, that was a big one. Yeah, there's been like five and six pound smallies come out of like the pipeline area, the James stuff like that. There's big fish in the city. It's just the biggest. The thing is when they get in those real big rapids and deep holes, like Mm -hmm. 99% of people aren't going in there with the proper tackle to get to those fish. Yeah. Most people are kind of like doing the same thing. Like we 2012 ish, we'd get out the pipeline and throw like, this was something I really enjoyed doing too, which doesn't like exist anymore. You go up to like the rapids on pipeline and you'd throw flukes and I think it was like weightless sinkos. Like you'd throw them yeah. and like smallies would crush them right at the current scene. But that yeah. like doesn't happen. That's anymore. like all before like a Ned rig existed. Yeah. But I will be honest where those, where the big smallies still remain, you're not getting to those fish with a Ned. Yeah. Like it's just yeah. the water's too deep, too fast. 99% of the people like do the same thing all yeah. the time. That's why like you only see so many smallies yeah. get caught. Those, I mean, we saw them last year. Those big fish are still out there, but most people aren't putting in the work to really get to where those fish are. Yeah. I mean, but most people aren't coming off of your regular like walking path to like catch them, but following the pipe or, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's like what I grew up doing was like swim wading out there. You go out, wade to like a rock, and then you're like, oh, I want to go over there. And the hole in between you and the other rock mm-hmm. was deeper than you could touch. So you held your rod up here and had mm-hmm. your stuff in a dry bag on your back, and you just swam across the hole to the next spot. Yeah, and if you're wearing Crocs, you almost drown and die. Yeah. That's, yeah. That the same area of the James. I had two instances of like almost dying. I think it might have been the same year, or it was maybe. It was two consecutive years, but this is all like right when we started fishing together. Yeah, there's a railroad bridge that goes across there, and I'm usually pretty like self-aware that I don't want to get caught out on that stuff. 
just because I know what my luck is. I'm trying to get out to the middle of the river, and the fastest way was walking across this railroad bridge. I'm like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to get caught and like yeah. killed by a train. It would be way too, uh, you know. Everybody that would I went to high school it. with would be like, mm, checks out. <laughs> yeah. Definitely makes sense. Got hit by a train. He didn't seem very smart to begin with. So there you go. <laughs> but anyway, I'm like wrestling with whether or not I want to go across this railroad bridge. This father and son's walking across, like coming from the direction that I want to go in. I'm like, okay, well, it's got to be remotely safe. I mean, they wouldn't just walk across. I'm like, hey, you guys seen the train today? No, actually, we've never seen the train the whole time we've ever been out here. I'm like, ah, well, I know it definitely runs on these tracks, but if they're that confident, surely I'll be fine. Yeah. Hop up on the railroad bridge, and, like, this bridge has three separate styles of bridges. So, like, the first is just, like, a a flat kind of truss-type thing, and then another one is, like, the middle one's, like, an iron truss that you, like, there's no room to get off Mm -hmm. the tracks on. It's, like, that... The dangerous one is out in the middle, and the two on the sides are fine. So, like, I walk up on the safe one, and I'm, like, crossing the bridge. I talk myself into it. I'm, like, it'll be fine. Like, I'll be quick. As soon as I get literally halfway across, I hear this train whistle, and I'm, like, hmm. I'm, like, okay. This is downtown Richmond. Like, there's trains everywhere. We have the viaduct and all that. I'm, like, all right. But, like, spend enough time downtown, like, you start to notice when, like, train whistles are different. Like CSX train whistles, one thing, and like Norfolk, Southern, Norfolk Southern's yeah. another. I'm like mm, this train whistle doesn't sound like one of the CSX train whistles. I'm like, oh, that's weird because I'm on Norfolk and Southern track, which they just tried to kill the entire state of Ohio with their train derailment, so no <laughs> big deal. But East Palestine, flawless track record. Yeah, but I'm walking across, all of a sudden I turn around and like. This train comes through the flood wall and it's like kind of comes around the corner. Comes around the corner. I'm like, you gotta, you gotta be kidding me! <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm gonna die right now. I'm gonna get hit by a train. Everybody from my high school is gonna laugh. I'm like, this sucks. So naturally, I do the only thing I could possibly do is just start sprinting, <laughs> running away from the train. And I'm like, I'm on the part of the bridge where it's like the the ties have a gap which like if your leg goes in them you're just gonna break your entire leg and get ran over by a train so i'm like hyper focused running on these just just <laughs> sprinting just please sp- watch on youtube <laughs> just, just sprinting the, the across the sprint. josh is making i'm just praying and sprinting and like this train is it wasn't going fast but i'm not fast so it was like slowly creeping up behind me and this conductor's just laying on the horn, which I don't... See, what it is, it, you are fast. It's just your aerodynamics are off. Yeah, right, That's right. the problem. Yeah, I'm short for my weight. It's not good. So, <laughs> I'm, like, sprinting with a full backpack, fishing rods, and, like, flip-flops, I think. And I finally get to, like, where I can hop down on a truss. So, I, it, it felt like I dove out of the way of this train, but, like, I jumped down. And it, like, slowly passed me. I'm like, cool, 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 cool. Didn't overreact at all. And, like, it goes by. And, like, if I would have fallen, I would have died. But I didn't, so I didn't. And the train goes, like, through the flood wall into, like, the yard on the south side and, like, parks. So, like, now I'm stuck with the train cars still on the bridge. And I'm just stuck, like, 15 feet in the air. So now I have a completely separate problem. Because, like, this train's going to be there for hours. They park on the bridge and just sit there for hours. Yeah. So I'm I'm 15 feet in the air, like, okay, well... 
if I jump from this height, my knees are going to explode. So I can't do like, I just like sat down chilled for like 30 minutes. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I went from almost dying to now I'm going to almost die again. (laughs) So I'm going to like, I went from getting hit by a train to I'm going to break both of my legs and be in agony and pain. I don't know what to do. So I sat there and just contemplated my life. I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to have to throw my stuff down. So I like threw my bags down, like dropped my fishing rods. I'm like, I'm going to like go under the train and like, see if there's a way down. Like I'm going to see if the other side, cause the Island is kind of on a angle. So I'm like, maybe the other side of this truss isn't so high. Yeah. So I climb under this freight train as a, which like is terrifying. It's a scary thing to do if you're not like, working around trains all the time. Yeah. So I'm like climbing under this train. I'm like this thing's going to start like right as I get under know, it. Even if it did fire up, it's not like, it's just like, and we're going, I mean, yeah, yeah can... but like my mind goes, I'm going to be like halfway under it. It's going to move and like hit me in the head. And then I'm just going to get chopped in half. But like, but I make it to the other side and there's just a ladder just sitting right there waiting for me. So, you if know, you would have jumped on the other side. Yep. That's kind of like how my life sets up. <laughs> it's kind of like you were that close to being successful, but like you just you had to take the long way. So I hopped down and climbed down, and like went fishing that day. But so almost got hit by a train, which would have made people I went to school with happy, but it didn't happen. So suck it. And then <laughs> the same part of the river, I'm wearing Crocs and I'm doing the same type of fishing. I might have even been wearing Crocs in that story, that past story, but I went and I'm like wade fishing, doing all the stuff that we're talking about. I get to like the top of like this rock garden. Like you, you can go to the bottom and leave, or you can go to the top and leave. But like I, didn't, I had worked my way up river. I didn't want to. It was getting dark. I'm like I don't want to work yeah. my way all the way back down. I was a pain in the ass. I just didn't want to do it. I'm like I'll just. A little bit of foreshadowing there. Didn't want to work his way all the way back down. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm just going to, like, cut across the top. It'll be fine. I'd never done that before. And Pipeline is, like, if you're familiar with Richmond, then you probably know Pipeline. But if you're not, like, it's one of the only sections of the river that really has class three, class four-ish. Like 365 days of the year. Yeah, like, it's it's got some pretty serious rapids. I think it's considered a class four all the time. I don't know. I think I, it's by the height. Because the river drops a lot in, like, 100 yards. Yeah. So, like, I'm wading across. I'm like, I'm just going to I'm gonna cut across the top of this rapid. Everything's going to be cool. And I'm just going to leave. Because, like, there's a pathway on the other side. I can just walk back to my car. So, I proceed to do this. And I'm, like, getting deeper as I'm, like, going across. I'm, like, leave this rock. And I'm, like, working towards the opposite bank. And there's only, like, 30 feet of, like currented water that I need to worry about. It's like, okay, well, it's waist deep. I'm good. No big deal. But it gets like chest deep. I'm like, mm, I can't exactly turn around now. I'm in the middle of this float. Well, about that time, my camouflage Crocs that I was super stoked on hit like a patch of green slime and just shot off my feet immediately. So they're completely used. And they're made out of like foam, so they float. So it's like, boom, my feet are at my eyes. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> I don't know what to do. Like, I don't have shoes anymore. This is a problem. Well, I'm immediately caught by the current and I'm like, I'm in, I'm in the shit now. So I'm like, (laughs) I'm going down the rapids 
with like my fishing rod. Go, go down, down the rapids. <laughs> I'm going down the rapids with like a full U.S. military like Alice pack, Alice pack, like a framed backpack that I thought was the like. This is back in the day where I carried a lot of shit when I went to the river because I did know what I was doing. So I have a full backpack full of stuff and like a fishing rod and like a dry bag and I'm like going down these rapids on my back and the only thing I can remember is like keep your feet up so you don't like get caught in a rock meanwhile this frame pack which I thought was helping me was actually bashing the back of my skull (laughs) so like it would hit instead of me hitting the rock it would hit a rock and then it would hit my skull (laughs) so like when I went home later that night Surprise! I lived, but I went home later and I had a giant like softball size knot on the back of my head. It was super good, but I'm like going down these rapids. I'm like freaking out because they get worse the farther down them yeah. you go. And like if you were just to like jump in and float down those rapids, you'd probably live and it wouldn't be a big deal. But like when you have a bunch of fishing gear and you weren't trying to do that and you're getting like mid panic clubbed in the head, it's not a good thing. So like I throw my arm out. And I happen to catch, like, the ledge of one of these rapids, like, as I'm going. So my, like, feet go over it, and I catch. And I catch this perfect handhold. And I pull myself up onto, like, the ledge of this rapid, and I'm sitting there. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I'm going to die. And I'm, like, sitting there, like, trying to take stock of, like, what you – because it all happens so quickly. Like, you're fine until you're in the middle of drowning, and then it's a problem. Yeah. So, like – I look over and there's this walking path on the bank and like as I'm actively drowning there's this dude on the bank like running after me he like sees his hat he saw everything happen which like it's bad enough that you're gonna die but to be embarrassed and die at the same time (laughs) to have a spectator can I just die alone like don't make me feel bad about it like uh, I'm fine (laughs) so like I'm sitting on the edge of this rock and I'm like oh my god like the, the terrible rapid that's going to kill me is, like, 50 yards away. And I'm in the middle of the river right now. I have, like, 50 yards, 50 yards. I'm like, I have to, like, I have to make a decision. And I can hear this dude yelling at me from the shore. He's like, do you want me to call the fire department? <laughs> like, no, because I would rather die than get Be sucked. the dude that gets rescued. Gets, one, gets embarrassed. And two, has to pay, like, thousands of dollars. I'm like, I'm just going to die. It's fine. <laughs> Let somebody else take care of it. So I'm like, no, I'm fine. I just lied. I'm like, I'm fine. I, I ne- know what I'm doing. I do this all the time. So, like, I take, I'm like, I have to consolidate because I can't keep swimming with this Alice pack. Right. So, like, take all the important shit and I put it in the dry bag. Like, take the reel off the rod, put it in the dry bag. Like, I don't even know. I packed the dry And I made the dry bag into, like, this pillow thing. So I'm like, it'll keep me floating. I won't drown. Right. So, like, I'm like, all right, I have to get rid of this Alice pack. So I just chuck it. It's in the river somewhere still. I didn't want to, but I had no choice. I had to make a decision. Yeah. Throw in the river. I'm like, please, God, if you're real, let me live. <laughs> like, I'll do anything. I'm like, I had to jump for it. And, like, I had to jump away from the rapid that was directly underneath me. Little did I know, it probably wouldn't have killed me. I'm way too buoyant. So I had to jump out from the rapid that's below me and then swim for my life to the bank, right? 
So I do that. I like to say a couple Hail Marys. I'm like, all right, let's do it. Throw the Alice pack away. And I like leaped out as far as I can, which is probably like three feet. <laughs> <laughs> like if we're being real, probably not that far. So I like leap and I'm like, just, I'm swimming as hard. I'm not, my eyes are closed. I'm just swimming for my life. I'm like, if I'm going to die, I don't want to see it coming. I'm like, I'm <laughs> swimming as hard as I can towards this goober ass dude on the bank <laughs> who asked me if I wanted the fire department. I'm like, no. And like all of a sudden I feel the rocks like hit my chest. I'm like, oh, I'm in shallow water. And I get over and I stand up and I like, I walk over to like the walkway that dude's on. He's like, runs up. He's like, dude. And I'm like, almost died. Like I'm still, <laughs> I'm trying to like gather myself up from almost dying. He's like, dude, that was the coolest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> that was some paragraph shit. That was amazing. <laughs> I'm like, please, sir, leave me alone. He's like, I'm never, that was the coolest shit ever. Let me shake your hand. I'm like, Cool. So I just like gave this guy a live action man versus wild. He got to episode. witness Bear Grylls in person. Yeah. So he's like, oh, let me shake your hand. I'm like, okay, cool. And I, I almost died. So like, I get up and I'm like, cool. Just, just playing it off like it wasn't the most embarrassing no thing that ever happened to me. I like walk back to my truck and I sit there. And I'm like, I almost died. Like I'm, I'm like having a like. Real, like, Why I'm, are you doing this, I'm man? back in reality, like, <laughs> is it worth it? I'm like, anyway, so I'm just sitting in my truck and start violently shaking because the adrenaline wears off, and I'm, like, freaking out. So I drove home. Harley's like, oh, my God, I told her the whole thing. I'm like, I almost died today. It was amazing. It was, <laughs> it was so crazy. This dude thought I was Bear Grylls. I'm not even British. It was amazing. <laughs> she, like, touches the back of my head. There's, like, a watermelon attached to the back of my skull. It was terrible. I was in such bad shape. I ended up going back like three days later, doing it all over again. <laughs> but so yeah, I was died literally a hundred yards is the distance that separates those two stories. But they're just equally stupid. I've had so many dumb ass things that have happened to me over the years. It's yeah. been ridiculous. It's but, crazy how much stupid shit happens in that stretch of river, too. But, like, you realize how... We know two people that had... Well, we don't really talk to them anymore, but we know two people who have had to be rescued from the train bridge. I... Dude, that same rapid that I was afraid I was going to drown in, two weeks later, I'm sitting there catfishing, and this hipster dude, like, in boxers, they had jumped from where the guy was over to where I was, yeah. like... And then tried to swim back across the rapid. He goes through that rapid. Oh, and like, it's flushed out. He's trying, super, just genius. Swimming against the current. Like, trying to swim upstream. I don't know what he was thinking. I'm a salmon. He could have swam, he could have swam <laughs> like, four feet to the left and been totally fine. But, no, this dude's, like, swimming. And then he's just arms up. And he's, like, actively drowning. Jesus. His friend is completely no use. Doing the same thing, like running down this pathway, watching his friend die. So I, like, drop my stuff, and I wade out. And I, like, save this dude, but it was the most anticlimactic thing ever. Like, I literally just waved out and waded out and just grabbed him and, like, pulled him up. Like, hey, don't do that. And, like, I have videos somewhere of that, of, like, this, like, me wading out, grabbing this dude, dragging him into shallow water, and then him just sitting on a rock, like head and hands for like 30 minutes just like i almost died in the shitty ass town <laughs> like I, I don't know the train bridge where you uh where you had the train park on you freaking yeah. uh you remember uh what's his name i'll say his name don 
feed his little brother. Mm, I don't know who there. you're talking about. I've never heard of that guy before. Yeah, me either. Uh, <laughs> they were up there messing around during striper season and train parked on the bridge. Yeah. And the other two people that were fishing with them decided, well, we'll just hop up on the edge of the train tracks and yeah. like catwalk it beside the train for like 30 yards and hop down. Mm-hmm. And those two were like, no, nah, we're not doing that. Daddy's credit card will be just fine fire department yeah <laughs> and they came up there and they're like they're literally just sitting there in the mm-hmm. middle of the river just like hanging out waiting for the fire department the thing is like in that set there's there's like this safer section that is scarier to yeah. look at and then there's like this scary section which you don't even consider like yeah that section if you just get in the water and float you're not you, gonna die there's nothing down there's you. absolutely nothing that is going to it's just either. a little scarier because it's wider, so yeah. you're like, oh, man. It's a fu-. But, like, you're fine. The water's, like, 55 degrees. Well, as so long as you're, you like, to- if you would have floated down, you just hit the yeah. rapids at, like, 14th Street. Yeah, it's shallow under that. Yeah, 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 you're like, fine. But, like, the other side of the river, you're just going to die. Well, the so. other side of the river is where, like, you're talking this one side makes up 60% of the river and only 30% of the flow. The other yeah. side is 30% of the river with 60% of the flow. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, it's wider, like, where we're talking about, it's wider, but there's way less water Yeah, but overall, like way less, like, push. You do all that, and you realize, like, why it's so easy for so many people to drown every year yeah. or to, like, be in a difficult situation every year because it's just, it's literally just bad, like, it's just a dangerous area if yeah. you're not prepared for it. Too many like, people don't know how that stuff works, though. Yeah, but... Anyway, that's just that's two stories of me almost dying, but good stuff. I, you know, if it would have happened, it'd put me out of my misery, but it's fine. <laughs> uh, anyway, we'll skip the TikTok stuff today. We don't need to do that. I don't. Let's uh, let's jump in. We're at an hour and twelve minutes or so. We'll uh, kind of our main closing topic of the day. Yeah. We uh, we talked about the top. Uh, Virginia Trophy Largemouth Waters in, I believe, Episode 3. Um, the DWR, Virginia DWR, released the top trophy smallmouth waters uh, for 2022. And we'll just kind of go through those, talk about those a little bit. First yeah. thing that, like, really jumps <laughs> off the bat is uh, the amount of citations that are turned in. Compared to largemouth. Yeah. Both bass, but, like, the amount of smallmouth that get turned in versus largemouth is like overwhelming I it kind of touches on what we were saying a lot of these largemouth guys don't really care about citations yeah it's it's largemouth definitely have like a different attitude yeah like fishing for them like if i like at a, at a surface level it seems like largemouth are way more of a competitive species yeah. Like and smallmouth are more of an adventurous species. Yeah. So like if you're fishing for largemouth and you happen to catch a big one, it's like cool. Like maybe you're in a tournament or practicing for a tournament, and like that's what you're on the mind for. But like yeah. I feel like more people actually go out and like covet catching a citation smallmouth. Yeah, I so. mean, and out of these, out of these five, I mean, you got so you got going from most citations to lowest it goes james river's number one new river number two roanoke river number three and smith mountain lake and staunton river are tied at number four slash five right um at all those i mean 
I've fished all of them except the Roanoke River, and apparently the Roanoke being third with 22 might be somewhere you need to check out. Um, I've never, I've never fished the actual Roanoke River. Um, I mean, I, I just haven't. Uh, nothing I really fish for draws me there. Yeah, the Roanoke's in kind of a weird part of the state too. Like you have the Staunton. A lot of those rivers feed Kerr. Or Bugs Island. Yeah, I've so. fished the start a couple times. I know a lot of guys who fish it quite a bit. Yeah. Especially the upper reaches for the smallmouth. I mean, Smith Mountain, that's... That's... I mean, that makes sense. A lot of guys catch the smallmouth way up the lake, like mm-hmm. up the river. Yeah. Um, yeah, like the Staunton and the Roanoke. So it goes James River with 30, New River with 27. I'm surprised that James beat the new, but... Yeah. It's... Roanoke River. When they're that close together, I don't really say one's like beating the other. They're both. I mean, that's the two best in the state. Everybody knows. Yeah, but like the Roanoke and the Staunton are more or less the same river system. Yeah, I believe. Like if you look at it on a map, I think they turn into one another according to according to the um, Google Maps. But yes, I mean. I would say the Roanoke is the one that surprises me the most. Um, the Staunton, I surprises me that it's on there, but I don't know. I mean, I see a lot of really nice fish come out the Staunton, even though it's a small river. Yeah. It seems like a lot of nice fish come out of there. Well, the Staunton produced the state record saw guy back this summer, so it definitely yeah. like has the potential to produce big fish it has leesville reservoir upriver from it and yeah. then doesn't smith mountain feed leesville i'm pretty I'm sure they're sure. all connected might, yeah. yeah i think they're all part of the roanoke yeah so i mean all this makes sense yeah you so, have the same genetics yeah so because yeah the roanoke river flows into the pamlico sound but it's Basically, if the Roanoke stayed in Virginia the whole way, yeah. Because I mean, you start all the way up at Smith, you come through, and I mean, the Roanoke feeds into Bugs, Kerr, and then mm-hmm. I mean, not the Bugs and Kerr, Bugs, Gaston, then Roanoke Rapids Lake, and you know, all the way down to the Pamlico Sound. Right. So <clears throat> let's see where are we at here. It's still though. I mean. 30 citations smallmouth in a whole year. I mean, you, you like for number one, you know so many fish aren't getting reported. I mean, yeah, I would wager to say this is like 10% of how many fish are probably actually getting caught. Yeah. So the Roanoke feeds um, Smith. Yeah. So you have the Roanoke River feeding Smith Mountain Lake. And then Smith Mountain Lake, directly below Smith Mountain Lake, is Leesville Reservoir. Leesville Reservoir flows into the Staunton. Gotcha. Or Stanton. So they're all, it's all, basically it's one giant system that is producing three of the top five. And then you have the New and then you have the James. So the James River is made up of the Cow Pasture and the Jackson. They converge up around Covington, Virginia. And it's another, I mean, the James goes from the Cow Pasture and the Jackson and basically flows across the state into, into Chesapeake. the Chesapeake Bay. So, like, it's got a lot of nutrients, got a lot of bait fish, got a lot of big fish, and a lot of variety in it. So, it is wild, though. I mean, even with all the reports of the smallmouth fishing being down, you know, throughout the last maybe 10 years, 
It is wild that it's still number one. Yeah. I read, um, I have an old fly fishing for smallmouth book. Um, it's Bob Clouser's book from years ago. And uh, he lists like 30 or 40 different smallmouth rivers along the East Coast. Mm-hmm. And he even said in that book, it's like, oh, the James was in it. The James and the New were both in it. And he said, the James, um, regardless of size, he said, I, there was no river on the East Coast. This is back when that book was written. Right. There was no river on the East Coast that could compete with the James for numbers. Right. He said pretty much every time he ever fished the James on a float trip, he was catching 50 to 60 fish in a float on a fly. Right. And uh, he said the same about the new, but the new always had bigger fish right. back then. Well, the new's older, way older. Here's a good um, representation of what you just said. So here's a quote uh, from the DWR website it says the non-tidal James River has experienced noticeable reductions in smallmouth bass, smallmouth bass abundance in recent years said Hunter Hatcher DWR fisheries biologist this certainly is an idea what I can't read <laughs> this certainly isn't ideal but the result is an abundance of forage for the fish that remain so that kind of makes sense why you have, you know. I mean, it's like what Blaine has told me about in the past. I mean, instead of catching 50 to 60, you're catching 10 to 15, but they're all big. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. The hotter, hotter the weather gets, the more you'll want to key on ri- riffles and moving water. Oxygen. You'll be surprised how shallow big smallmouth will be during the dog days of summer. That's the whole deal with that bug fishing that they do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, and here's a quote from the New River portion. It says, similar to some other rivers in Virginia, the New River has experienced some below-average smallmouth bass spawns in the last several years, which has resulted in a slight reduction in the abundance of adult fish. However, good numbers of quality fish still remain for anglers to target and recent above-average spawning classes, especially on the Upper New, bode well for for anglers as these fish grow to adult size. Yeah, so. there is some there is some good signs on the horizon. A couple guys that I used to wade with uh, in Richmond for smallmouth and around the area, they they messaged me last summer and were telling me like, hey, you know the numbers are pretty close back to where they were because the last four years we've had four good spawns. We've had dry springs, which keeps the river from blowing out when the fish right. are making their beds. So. We've had four, three to four good spawns in a row. Yeah. And you've got a lot of those fish coming of age. They're, you know, 10, 12-inch fish now. Right. Once they get to be that, like, 8 to 10-inch mark, they are able to protect themselves. And when the river spikes, they're strong enough to get out of the current and right. stuff like that. What's interesting is Smith Mountain was on here for both largemouth and smallmouth. Granted, yeah. there wasn't a ton of citations turned in for each one, but yeah. it was within the top five in both species. Smith Mountain's also part of the impoundments in the state that are getting the F1 hybrids yeah. for largemouth. So that's kind there's of there's a there's a few guys up there that I follow on like Instagram, and there's some some hammers that fish up there that yeah. stay on those big smallmouth. Like, yeah. and they're not even turning them in. I know that. But yeah, they're fishing way up the river, and they yeah. they catch big ones all summer long. Smith Mountain's an interesting place because it's like you have trophy caliber black bass and largemouth and smallmouth and then you also have trophy caliber 
striped striper. bass, which is probably one of there's the only a, impoundments. There's white bass in there too. I mean, there's mm-hmm. they have a lot of stuff. Like um, my buddy's dad lives up there. Has told me at one point in one morning he's caught large mouth, small mouth, spot striper, and a white bass all off yeah. the same point. Yeah, it's interesting. Crazy. It's it's whether well, they have herring in there. A little bit of everything. They got threadfins, yeah. gizzards. They do have herring. Um, so yeah. Yeah, the main so, thing they're eating is gizzards, though, the, at least the bigger fish. But mm-hmm. they still got thread fins. Yeah. So it's interesting. Smith Mountain clearly has abundance of forage to produce big fish in multiple different Even species. It's a, you know, it's got all those shad, too. But Smith Mountain has a ton of itty-bitty little bluegill. Yeah. Like, they're everywhere. Especially in the spring, you'll see them all around, like, root balls of trees and stuff. Mm-hmm. And you'll see bass working through them. Yeah. Smith's one of the few places i haven't actually fished i actually haven't it's fished an intimidating place man every time i've ever fished it after 10 30 in the morning you're done yeah it's just a big just place with all the well it's just all the boat traffic oh yeah. after 10 30 in the morning there's three thousand boats on the lake well it's like the biggest impoundment that part of the state I so. so i mean that makes sense it's like but... i mean it's lake and on steroids mm-hmm. and every single time i mean if it's a nice day you're you're done right I mean, it could be a blizzard in February on a Tuesday, and there's still 100 boats on the lake running around. The place is nuts. So, it's all like southwestern Virginia, Virginia, like money. Yeah. It's like the place you go to spend it, more or less. Yeah, well, that whole area, I mean, once you get outside of Roanoke, there's nothing other than, like, Smith Mountain. (laughs) I mean, that's that's all that's around. There's not a lot to do. But the Virginia trophy requirements for... Smallmouth bass are 20 inches or 5 pounds. Uh, largemouth, it is 8 pounds or 22, 22 inches. And striper is 37 inches or 20 pounds. So all three of those can be captured at Smith Mountain Lake. Yeah. We urge you to all get out and give a, a shot. Yeah, Turn it in. The smallmouth citation is like one of the most perfect ones they ever did. Yeah. 5 pounds, like, I mean, there are... A few, I mean, there's quite a few five pounders get caught every year, but like, there are exponentially more four and a half pounders. Yeah, and then it's like twenty inches. <laughs> there's quite a few that get caught every year, but there are thousands of nineteen and a half inches that get yeah. caught. That is out of all the citations they have in the state, that is by far the one that they like hit right on the nose. Largemouth's pretty solid too, because like, I mean, you catch a lot of like six to, I mean, not a lot. Yeah, but like, like twenty two inches isn't insanely difficult like yeah. the th- an eight pounder is much harder than a 22 incher yeah because unless you're fishing a just a loaded lake or a, mm-hmm. or a pond a 22 inch fish would even weigh eight pounds yeah i mean a 22 inch largemouth in the spring of the summer i mean spring it would maybe mm-hmm. but summertime a 22 inches weigh like five pounds yeah five and a half yep so another interesting report from the state um, yeah, I like that one a little bit more than the largemouth one. The largemouth one, sample size is just too small. Yeah, paints a little bit better of a picture of like what anglers are actually doing. Like I said, when you only have like nine trophies turned in from a particular body of water, like and that's still in your top five. Like, yeah, you might want to. Like just... One dude has turned in like two or three. Yeah, three it's, of those nine. You don't really have a lot of people part- participating in the. Um, the program at that yeah, I think the largemouth when you had like a total of out of your top five lakes it was what 50, 50 to, maybe yeah. it wasn't a lot whereas but. this one you got let's see 57 77 uh, 
So I mean, yeah, you're just shy of actually you're yeah, you're over a hundred at least over a hundred for the five. So Yeah. That's a little bit better sample size. Yeah. So we encourage you all to go out and participate in the um Virginia Angler Recognition Program. We've talked about it a bunch on here and it's done a lot for both of us as far as giving our fishing purpose. So Yeah. But do you have anything else? No. Think I'm good. Oh wait, this uh so this podcast will be airing on Monday the sixth. Uh that is the day before Bugs and Brews actually. Um little fly tying fishing get together that I started up with a buddy of ours, Jacob Nixon. Uh we have it at Legend Brewing Company on uh South Side down in um what's that? I mean it's Richmond, but Manchester. Yeah, Manchester area, but um South yeah. Side of the River in Richmond, Virginia. If you don't live in Richmond, um and you want to still participate, uh I'll link my Venmo. You can send me money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it's uh we have it every month, the uh, first Tuesday of the month at seven PM at Legends. So uh yeah, Legend Brewing Company. If you uh want to stop by, you don't have to tie flies. If you just want to come and hang out, there's usually a handful of us there just yep. chilling. So yeah, always a good time. Might start doing like a live podcast or something if I can if there's enough people there. Yeah. Sort of interview the guys that we Maybe one of the months there. that we know like a lot of people are coming or something. Yeah, just something different to do. But anyway, I think that's all we have. Um, Got anything else to add before we're out of here? I'm good. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Peeling Drag Podcast. Hopefully next time you hear from us, we'll actually have caught some fish and Grant (laughs) won't look like a raccoon. So (laughs) the wind and the sun was... Wind burn is a bitch. Yeah, it was brutal. But... Anyway, thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. Yep. I, I Later. <laughs> we'll see you. <laughs>